1: Okay, you guys, I'm going to reveal something here. I love watching pro football. I have for years, as if I haven't mentioned it 50 times, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, and yes, I will accept your sympathies right now. And yes, I know about the Browns fan who asked in his obituary to have six Browns pallbearers when he died so the team could, quote, let him down one last time. ha It's a knee slapper. Okay, so anyway... (laughs) (laughs) I love watching NFL players because they are amazingly strong, disciplined, and aim to win. These are all things I always try to achieve, right? But I wouldn't exactly rush to a pro football player for investment or retirement advice or planning. Because of this, they have notoriously short careers due to injury, and even though many make millions during their career— Often they have no guidance and they blow their salary without saving. Here's a stunning stat. Four out of five NFL players either go bankrupt or fall into financial distress after they retire from playing. It's really sad. But my guest today is a unicorn in the NFL. Linebacker Brandon Copeland is a shining example of somebody who didn't just join the legions of players who mishandled their money. He just finished playing for the Ravens, and during the offseason, instead of just hanging out or spending money, he teaches a finance seminar at the University of Pennsylvania, and he has also now landed himself a panel spot on the new hit Netflix show, Buy My House, which focuses on investing in real estate. Here to discuss his journey and his money-saving ideas and tips and tactics, Brandon Copeland. Welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz, Brandon.
0: Liz, I am excited to be here, and I'm also, I, I was cracking up at that, that Browns <laughs> joke. Not going <laughs> to lie to you. That
1: You have played for a lot of teams, but never the Browns.
0: Yeah, never the Browns. I mean, I can't sit here and act like the teams I've played for have had a, a tremendous success, <laughs> you know, but... Ultimately, I, again, every once in a while, you got to be able to laugh at yourself, and and that that's a really good one. Let them down one more time.
1: Yeah, I call them the bad news Browns, okay? Because and you got to love them. You just have to. I'm not even from Ohio, but I lived in Cleveland for a couple of years. I also lived in Columbus, Ohio, so I just adopted them because you know I'm from LA, and it's like the Raiders jumped all over the place. They're not even there anymore. And anyway, whatevs. I am so psyched to talk to you because. I want our listeners, who love to hear these kinds of stories, to hear how you first got interested in finance. This wasn't something that you learned when you started making your millions. This goes back to high school, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, I was a guy who was always... um interested in money. I can think, I think we all can say we're interested in money <laughs> yeah. right? because as, as soon as you are in the checkout aisle and you want a candy bar or you want to supersize a meal growing up, you know, the, it costs money. And so I remember I had a coach in high school. I was very, very fortunate, very blessed to have coach Poji. Um Congratulations to him. He just got a head coaching job um, down in Carolina, uh, one of the schools down there. So, nice. um, yeah, I, I uh, so we would do spring workouts and summer workouts and they would be on Wednesdays. And I just remember on Wednesdays coach would have pizzas for everybody. It was like 40 some pizzas. And I'm just like, you know, being a little husky kid, how does this kid, how does this guy afford this Mm. every single week? Like, you know, and I'm looking at him and, you know, from, you know, the way I grew up, I'm like, well, this guy, I don't think he, Deals drugs. So, you know, that's, let's check, check that off the list. I don't, he's not in the NBA, you know, right. he, and he's not in the NFL clearly. So like, I got to understand this. And so I went up to him and and just, you know, after a few weeks, um, you know, gained the, the, mustered up the courage to say, Hey, you know, we'd love to just Understand what you do, and I found out through the grapevine that he ha- had a, a hedge fund, and I was like, you know, I would love to just come by and just sit down and have lunch with you, and and that turned into an internship for three summers. Um, and Samuel James limited his hedge fund that also kind of doubled as a private equity company. But for me, it's funny I can say those words now, like I I know what they mean. Right. Um. At the back back at that time, I had no idea what was going on. I saw Bloomberg terminals. I saw stock tickers for the first time. And it was the first time I would walk into a place and CNBC will be on and things will be moving and things you know, but for me, it was my introduction, I would say into the world of finance. And, um, you know, fortunate to have that, that experience that allowed me to see um, the way money worked. And I think ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, from there, uh, you know, carried on to Penn. And, well, wait. You, know, yeah, you can't just yeah.
1: jump to Ivy League. Jump. I you're need right, to right. know, just for our listeners' sake, tell me about your background. what What did your folks do? What was your life like in high school in Maryland? Correct?
0: Yes, yes, yeah. So my mother, she was a computer programmer. She uh, had college education, UMBC, and then her master's at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, my father, he did not finish his college degree, but they met at UMBC. And I'd say, you know, my, my father, my mother was a stable job, stable career path mm-hmm. and consistent income. My father, he had he battled with his own demons like a lot of us as humans do. Um, and so he kind of would be in and out. And, and what I tell people is, is you know, he was a. Uh, I learned a lot of things about charisma and just the art art of the hustle from him. My dad, he never kept a, a single consistent job, but he could always get a job and he could always do a great interview and, and things of that nature. So whether it's him working at Jiffy Lube or um, a, a warehouse or Amazon, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, he would find a, a way to get a, a income coming in. And so um, growing up, uh, my grandfather, you know, and my, my grandparents were huge. We we have a family where, you know, our cousins are like brothers. Sure. Uh, and I'd say brothers simply because we had no female cousins growing up. My grandfather, he played in the NFL for 11 years, and um, he had three daughters, and all of his daughters had two sons. And so, you know, for us, it was, we grew up together, and, and we had a very close-knit family. Um spent all the holidays together. but one of the things I will say for me is, you know, obviously growing up, my I'm fortunate my grandfather was, was is was my hero. unfortunately, he's passed away. but um, you know, I got the opportunity to see his life after right, football, right. And so for me, as good as I was on the football field at a certain time, and I will I was a late bloomer. You know, I wasn't, you know, the Hercules in college. I didn't have a bunch of colleges beating down the door and, and things like that until my senior season. But for me, he always showed me that life was bigger than football. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I got to see him. And he was just always a great person. He was he was always extremely selfless. He always. You know, whenever he went into rooms, people would gravitate towards him, but not because he of, you know, oh, former NFL player, former Super Bowl champion, but more just because he just had the gift of gab. And so, you know, again, just being able to pair um, all those experiences and all those people in my life growing up have helped mold me into the man that I am. And and uh, the final thing I'll, I'll I'll say on that is, you know, I, I've always. So my grandfather, I look at life as a baton race. It's a track race, excuse me. And, and so, you know, in a relay race, you everything is about the baton pass, right? Sure. And so, you know, my grandparents, um, they came from Mississippi in the 40s, Hazelhurst, Mississippi and Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And my grandparents have uh, went through a lot of trials and tribulations and gotten us to Baltimore, Maryland, where they passed the baton to their daughters and they said, hey, you know. Go, go as far as you can, right? And and so for me, my mom, she worked her tail off and my dad did as well too, to pass me the baton. And and so for me to leave it stagnant, you know, um, that's one thing I tell a lot of people, they're like, Why are you doing this? Why are you, you know, why do you keep going for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing? But for me, it's I'm just running my leg of the race right now. And uh I'm I'm excited that we just finished the warm-up.
1: Exactly. I agree. We get one shot at this life. Grab the baton and start running. Even if you trip and you fall, you get back up. Oh, you hurt your ankle. You pulled your Achilles, whatever. You've just got to keep running. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. So you are almost a mosaic of everybody who helped raise you. That's what I'm hearing you say. And now I'll let you get to Penn. Okay, give. I was rejected from Penn, thank you very much. But tell me about that experience, going to the Ivy League College. And, of course, you also played football there. But it's amazing to think that today you are a teacher there.
0: Yeah, I mean, literally, like you said, amazing to think. I'm I'm about to uh, we're doing our, our fifth year of of classes, and um, you know, it's wild to think about it. But you know, I laugh. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I tell people I'm just a big kid having having fun. It's not that I'm trying to stay in this kid fantasy world for a long time, but I like I think that I just take everything and and like as I mentioned earlier, you'd be able to laugh at yourself, but also. Um, just work, 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 and and so I say all that to say, you know. Again, I would have never, ever, 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 and put one more ever on that. Never, ever thought I would be a professor <laughs> at, the, at the <laughs> University of Pennsylvania. But, um, but I think that you know, for me, I guess, just kind of backtracking a little bit, like going into Penn, um I, I was, I was extremely nervous, um, just not under. I mean, all of us, I think, are nervous going into a new situation in college. But oh, yeah. for me, I always wanted to play big-time football. And so, you know, I, I'm a very um, down-to-earth individual. I talk to anybody in the room. And, and so when you think about Ivy League uh, people and Ivy League students, you know, especially in high school, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to be a fit for me. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how this is going to work. Were you worried? And so, Can I
1: interrupt? Were you worried? Mm-hmm. That you didn't belong there because that is a situation. You know, I just dropped my son off at USC for his freshman year. And the head of admissions said, I personally signed every single one of your admission letters. And if you're thinking somehow that you don't belong here and you're looking around at other kids and think they're some type of genius, he said, I am here to tell you, you belong here. But every kid in there I could tell was nervous and thought, Oh God, I don't belong here. Was it like that for you?
0: Yeah. I, w- I will say you hear, I believe you think pretentious, you think elite, eight, elitist and all of that stuff. And, and yes, there are people there that are like that. And there's people that aren't there that are still like that. Right. But that was my biggest fear was being around people and around conversations that just made my skin crawl. Right. The people that think that they're better than other people just because of their last name and, and, um, That was that to me, like four years of that was the scariest thing in the world to me. And that's one of the reasons actually why I chose Penn. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Princeton as well, too. But Penn, uh, it's in Philly. It's a bigger version of Baltimore. you can get to Drexel, Nova, Temple, you can see some art. You have the city. Right. So I was like, worst case scenario, if it's not a right fit, if it's not the right fit, excuse me, then I can get away for a second and come back. And I'm an hour and a half away from Baltimore, um, from home and, and, and can make it happen. So that was my biggest fear there is just not feeling comfortable for four years and then feeling like, um, you know, I, and and I will also admit my biggest challenge there, it was through my first year and a half is, was, you know, when you go into, especially young, impressionable mind. And I mean, we all are at that point, but like, you know, I had a call with, with somebody recently who was looking for some guidance on some stuff. And, and I could tell they were dealing with the same thing that, um, that I had dealt with years ago, mm-hmm. and pretty much is, you know, when you go to a school like Penn, there's certain paths, especially a school like Wharton, the Wharton Business School, right, there are certain paths that are expected from you. And there are certain ways that you carve out your lane, or you're supposed to do it. And for me, uh, I realized that about a year and a half, two years in, really a year and a half in, I went through a soul search, which you people, I mean, you can call it a depression. And I basically was, you know, all everything on the football field my second season. Um, and there were certain things off the field that I wasn't able to get. And for- at that point in my life, which again, you know, you look at everything in a in a vacuum, right? I'm I'm 31 talking about my 19 year old self. But at that point in my life, it felt like I had everything that I wanted. But except for the one or two things that I actually genuinely wanted. And I remember telling myself, you know, I'm also looking at myself in the mirror and the person I'm becoming mentally is more like some of the people here and I feel like I'm being encouraged and influenced and trying to keep up with some of the wrong people here, or the people I don't want to be like, Hmm. uh, instead of being myself and putting my own signature on it. So yes, I can conduct business at a high level, I can be really, really smart, really, really bright, but I don't have to be necessarily a shark to do it. I don't have to cheat you out of something to do it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, looking myself in the mirror at that point, I told myself, I'm going to either I'm as, as my Coach used to say in AAU basketball because I was a shooter. Newsflash, Liz, put this on. You know, this is going to be the biggest <laughs> story from this podcast. I was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Okay? <laughs> I the, um, <laughs> the I was a shooter, and he used to always say, you know. I, I would miss a couple shots at the beginning of the game and I wouldn't shoot the rest of the game. He was always say, Cope, you need to live by the jumper and die by the jumper. Like, it is what it is. Some games you're not going to be on, but you got to still be you and still shoot. And try. And I took that mentality. Exactly. I took that mentality. And I said, you know, nobody is t- like, I got to do this my way because there is nothing that it tells me that I can't get it done that way and I can't get right. it done at a high right. level and still be nice and still be a likable person.
1: What was it like when you got drafted? Cause you were a free agent,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, So undrafted free agent. uh, I remember that day it was Penn relays and, uh, and it's always Penn relays time of the year. So I'm at Penn's campus. My parents and grandparents are up all my roommates around, you know, we're around the TV on that third day. And Mm. um, the Baltimore Ravens called a couple of times. And then the green Bay Packers called and honestly, uh, it just kind of goes into who I am as a person, right? It's, they called during the sixth round. And so, you know, they had like three more picks left. And they were basically saying, hey, Kobe, Col- Col- we like you, but we want to take you after the draft. And I'm like, well, no, nah, like, I see you got a few more picks. So, like, you know, like, I'm, I- I'm, I'm literally bluffing, big bluffing. My negotiation <laughs> skills probably suck. But, you know. Ah, like you know, other teams are calling. Y'all better hurry up and get me. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm gonna be <laughs> here after the draft. Lo, lo and behold, I was. I was there. I was. <laughs> I was there waiting <laughs> by the phone, and and um, so I ended up signing with the Baltimore Ravens, which is a hometown team. These are the games I grew up oh, wanting to see. You must right? have
1: been uh, levitating.
0: Well, actually that's the thing. I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, for lack of a better term right now, forgive me for anyone out there. I hope you don't take offense to this, but I'm a little crazy. Right (laughs) in the sense of like, I have my own aspirations and goals and, and I was actually pissed off. I wasn't pissed off that I was with the Baltimore Ravens. But I was pissed off that you thought that you could have me that I'd still be here wait, right? Like I was pissed off that you took three other people over me before me and that's Mm -hmm. not including all of your other draft picks like you just believed in your mind that you know he's not worth a draft pick but we'll bring him in the camp and let him try out type of thing Mm -hmm. so um again lo and behold 10 years later that that chip on the shoulder uh you know kind of worked out for me but but i i'd say i remember at that time my granddad talking to me again he was there he was proud as I mean, proud as you can be all my family was right but they could tell on my face like i wasn't happy that like i did not get drafted now mind you liz and i don't know how much time we got here today but like i went through my first surgery weeks before the draft right like so my uh, like there was a lot of things that probably derailed my potential success in the draft Uh right but but that doesn't, you know, you don't it doesn't matter to a 20-year-old kid who's trying to again live his, live his dreams. Mm-hmm. So, um or 21-year-old kid. Excuse me. So, for me anyway, I, that that just put the biggest chip on my shoulder, you know, and I I remember we we had enjoyed the night at a certain point my roommates got me to get out of the funk and like, yo, you are in the NFL right now. And for me, I think one of the best things that happened to me as well too. my grandfather pulled me aside and just told me now the real work begins. Uh, I want you to have this chip on your shoulder. I want you to feel like this because one, we are damn proud of you. We love you. Uh, but I know you're not gonna take this opportunity for granted, go prove them wrong. Yeah. Because a lot of guys and what I saw is a lot of guys going to the league. And you have everyone around you. And they tell you how good you are. And you are excited with how good you are. But me, I just never would, like I was just always pissed, honestly, that <laughs> no one respected me for how good I thought I was. And it's not a that sounds really, really terrible when you say it like that. Right. But ultimately, that is the motivating factor that had me working out oh, sure. at all types of crazy sure. hours, you know. So that's it, it was a the way I came into the league. I don't know if I'm, I last this long without it. yeah, And I think that's- It drives you.
1: It drives you. What did you do, if I can ask, with your first paycheck?
0: Oh, first paycheck. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. I think I I had a $1,000 signing bonus. And so for me, I I honestly, Liz, I couldn't even tell you. It was nothing crazy. I I didn't have any bills or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I definitely didn't go buy a car. I had the same car Um, until it broke down my third year in the NFL. Really? Honestly, I probably, I couldn't even tell you what I did. Well, that's really different,
1: really different from (laughs) the stories that you hear about a lot of the players who came from modest backgrounds or had Mm -hmm. no money, and then they get insane. You know, they just go crazy with the money, and that leads to that stat that I gave, four out of five of these guys. When they retire after a very short career where they're injured, maybe they've got, you know, concussion problems, things like that, and they go bankrupt. Yet you are the complete opposite. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. Wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at Masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at Masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. So tell me what you began to do once the money did start rolling in and if you started to advise some of your fellow players?
0: Yeah, I think that once the money started coming in, what I would say is understand that this doesn't last, as you just mentioned, right? Like, a lot of us, we come in and and we're superheroes, like I said before, but understanding that, you know, this is only for a moment in time. This is, okay, whether you tear your ACL, you tear your Achilles, whether you aren't good enough the coaches don't like you whether you play for as long as tom brady it's still well tom's good but it's still <laughs> a moment in time right undrafted so by the way
1: let's let everybody remember that
0: <laughs> right and so if you if you come into the for me i came into the mindset of like this is not promise. so i gotta i have to work for tomorrow i have to work for the next day when i started making money um, which really wasn't until 2015. That's when I was on the active roster making the real NFL checks where you can, you know, you're really cheesing hard the entire day. You're smiling at people for no reason, right? <laughs> um, the That was a big, let me take this money and put it to work into some things that really I can bank on being here when football is done. And so originally that started with, Stock trading. I was options day trading while playing in the NFL. My first couple of years, I realized that that wasn't a really smart way to live. Uh, I was stressed all the time, and I couldn't really focus on anything. Um, but then eventually started putting that into real estate, and then started investing in myself and my own education, taking on other internships and stuff like that. So I know that's a really boring answer, and a lot of people don't don't like to hear that. But what the way I tell people. Now is like I am the revenue generating business. I am a Fortune 500 company. And that was who I was as an NFL player. Now there's different things that that uh, are generating that revenue for me. Right. And I take that money and now I'm a private equity company. I'm putting it into different revenue generating Um. assets for me whether that be venture capital, whether that be real estate investments, whether that be financial education or my foundation or or whatever. I'm putting it into things that I can realize and see long beyond my career as a football player. And so I, I, I can say that really, really eloquently now. Back then, it was just, I understand, let's just save as much as this as possible, invest as much of this as Brilliant. possible. Let's not get a crazy right. long lease or anything like that. Let's just keep this money because we could get cut or, next week.
1: or some of these guys would go out and buy three of their friends Lamborghinis. I yeah. mean, would you just yeah. roll your eyes when you saw that and think, oh, my gosh, what are you doing?
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that I mean, unfortunately, that, that happens. You know, I, I mean, I haven't seen three Lamborghinis. I've seen two. No, I haven't seen two Lamborghinis. <laughs> well, no, there are hanger-ons, right? <laughs> but, they're hanger-ons, right?
1: Or is it hangers-on? Yes. They're, they're always entourages and people who see the money, and then they hang out, and they they just suck it away from yeah, the player. I
0: think, I think what I did, a well, one, I'm blessed. And when I say I'm, I'm blessed in a number of ways, but one, I've been blessed by my family being afraid to be those hanger on yeah. and my friend group, right? Mm-hmm. I, again, I went to to the pen, so fortunately, a lot of my friends are like, "Listen, I've been making, <laughs> I've been doing what you. They, they can they could work with me on some deals and <laughs> things like that, right?" So I've right, been blessed right. with that. But wh- one of the things I will say is, you know, I I I've seen how, for example, there's an article out right now that someone just sent me how a college kid got his NIL money, and he used it to pay down his sister's student loans.
1: Okay, wait, so that's name and likeness, right? Name, image, and likeness. And it allows, just for people who don't know, it allows college ballplayers to actually make money while they are in college because that didn't used to be the case.
0: Exactly. Like, yeah, you used to be, you would ruin your entire amateurism If you accepted a dollar to sign an autograph, you'd be be thrown off the team. Exactly. So now you can actually capitalize on that. And this person, this young man took his money and paid off his sister's student loans, which is awesome. Right. However, when you think about it, you could also loop that into the bucket of like, ah, well, you're preventing yourself from creating wealth. Right. That Mm -hmm. is, is don't know how much the student loans were. Right. But one, one of the things I try to l- let people know is like, one of the problems we have as athletes, especially athletes that come from, like you said, those modest backgrounds, mm-hmm. is like, there are so many people who are, who, some of which who are actively invested in us, whether that be your mom, your dad, whomever dro- drove you to practice your trainers, all of those things. Or there's so many people who, again, they're, they're looking for a quick meal. But we, as athletes, have to do a better job at really sitting down and analyzing what we're doing mm-hmm. as a business and as a CFO, right? Like, ultimately, there are certain people you you got, like, it's hard to tell mom, no, right? Like, yes. mom, you drove me to practice when you, you know, you shouldn't have, you didn't have to, right? Uh, but you got to also make sure that, I, I said this to someone the other day, you got to Sometimes you have to be selfish in order to be selfless. And so sometimes we're sure. giving away money and capital that we could take and use to, to, grow. to grow and to be able to help people in a major way for years and years and years to come. Right. But sometimes we we impede our own growth by giving it all away too soon. And, well, and that's a, a shame to see.
1: Well, they say don't hand someone a fish, teach them how to fish. So let's talk about what you teach and broaden it to this listening audience. What do you teach people, like the the real basics of money?
0: Yeah, so I call it Life 101. And what Life 101 is, and for anyone interested, you can go to life101.io, but pretty much think of all of the money decisions that we have to make in our lives, uh, uh, an entire class built around them, right? whether it's budgeting, whether it's retirement investing, investing in starting a a brokerage account today, whether it's your insurance or what is your credit score? How does it get created? What goes into it, right? So a number of these major life decisions, these constants of life, we literally learn about them on the fly when we're actually dealing with it. For example, when when I bought my first home in 2017, My wife sent me, she was my girlfriend at the time. She sent me the closing disclosures and she said, hey, does everything look right? And looking through a hundred and some pages, I said, I have no idea. Mm. And so how wild is it that I'm signing a 30-year mortgage? I'm signing 30 years of my life over to something that I've never seen or practiced for the first time in my life. That's what we do with Life 101. We wanna make sure that when you go into these major life decisions, which are constants in life, we can see them coming one day. We want to make sure that we practice them and or, you know, the questions and the things that you should be asking before you get to that closing table or before you invest in that 401k, that Roth IRA, et cetera, et cetera. So um, our class has been going for five years now. And as we talked about earlier, that is how I became a professor at Penn. Um, Again, the, the had. No intentions of being in, in education at all or higher education, but when we had this idea and this idea stemmed from again that experience with the house and then also uh, the experience of of coming into the NFL, everyone wanted to talk to me about money or invest my money or teach me about money and not wanting to teach my mom who's my queen, right? She's right. worked as hard as she has for all them years and no one wanted to teach her about how she should invest her 401k or or what she could do to you know, improve her credit, whatever it may be. And so for me, it was important to not only have the idea, and I talked with my co-professor about it, and we could have packaged it up, and he could have taught it himself, or he could have gave it to someone else to teach, but it was most important that I went there for the delivery. For me, the delivery is everything. Unfortunately, yeah. I've sat in some classes that I literally had to YouTube everything in order to prepare for the exam. And I'm like, nah, not in my class. We're going to have a real. Well, you're the one who
1: lived it, Brandon. That's the thing. And <laughs> you're you're so dynamic in just explaining how you went from a all the way to, you know, Z here, you are the one who faced it and lived it and had the chip on your shoulder and didn't get drafted and had to wait and then had to rearrange your brain so that you understood, wait a minute, just as your grandfather said, dude, you are in the NFL. Doesn't matter how you got there. You're now in the same place where all those other guys were when they got drafted. So let's get going. I want to finish with this because it's so much in the news. Buffalo Bills, Damar Hamlin was released from that ICU in Cincinnati. He, of course, was the Bills player who suffered cardiac arrest a week ago um, on the field. What went through your mind when you saw that? Because he's only 24, and to me, I look at some of these these guys, and they're they're trying so hard, and then an injury can really, I mean, heck, it could almost kill you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that that's the this scariest thing? Well, first, I, I prayed for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that that's the most important thing. Somehow I was watching something the other day, and they talked about how sometimes people say I'm gonna pray for you, and they don't even pray, you know. Yeah. Um, nice. and so I was like, it's important for me to make sure I stop and actually pray for this young man. And then two, you know, seeing that it was such a routine, tackle a routine hit, we've all seen people be hit a lot harder than that. Um, that's something that really makes it resonate and and real of how lucky you are to make it out of this sport, quote unquote, and not have, you know, to have my fingers and have my my wits about me and things of that nature. And so for me, I took a a moment to thank God as well, too. Um, And and I think for my family and I, it's just, you know, we we understand that football is a physical sport. Um, We understand that there was a risk every time stepping on the field. However, you know, I've had my I've had my share of surgeries at this point. I've had season ending injuries at this point. Right. I've, I've dealt with a lot in the NFL, but seeing somebody fight for their life life, you know, that that's something I've never seen before, you know, yeah. um, and it's I'm, again, some, I'm like everybody else. It was uh, traumatic. It was shocking. Um, and I'm glad to see him being released from the hospital because, yeah. again, he. Um, I have a buddy on the Bills, and and I know how, I mean, we all got to see how close it was, but there's also some other things behind closing, you know, that that people don't necessarily know about. And so um, to, to see this man having a, a chance to live again is pretty amazing. It tells a lot about his spirit and, sure and his does. character.
1: Well, it says a lot about your spirit and character that not only... Have you made it to the NFL, which a tiny percentage of the world ever does, but you've turned around and given back. And I want you to give that website again, Life 101. Can you do that again just so people can yep. write it down?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the website is life101.io. And, um, on it, we have a number of resources for you, some free resources. We have the course that we teach at Penn. Uh, available to everybody online oh, as well. Too. Fantastic. That, that is premium, you know, but ultimately it's an investment in in yourself and and uh, again my goal is to make this accessible to everyone.
1: I'm honored to meet you. Thank you so much. Come visit us at Fox Business.
0: I definitely will. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it.
1: And um and we'll see you signing with the Browns soon by any chance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, they, they, might need a, they, they might need a little more help than, than I can provide. But, but listen, You know, the best. thanks. That's a pen grab right there.
1: Bruh, that hurts. Right
0: so, that hurts. That.
1: <laughs> hey, it's great to talk to you, Brandon. And, and listen, you guys, check out the website. Uh, here's the thing. He, what he just said is so important. Invest in yourself. You have to be the number one participant in your own education and your own rescue. Nobody's going to do it for you, but there are people out there to help, and Brandon's one of them. So I'm so glad you tuned in, and we're going to see you again next week. But once again, if you missed me, Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox Business, it's The Claimant Countdown. Bye now. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.